0: ...industries of recent innovation. Music's been alive, thriving since cavemen. Folk songs so long have had a place in communities that you should be amazed at it. Then one day came intellectual property, meaning if I think a thought, you can't copy me. And if honesty is the best policy, I'd say songs are better off without this monopoly. It'd blatantly be a major fail if they patented the major scale. And downloads don't equate to sales, so taking them away won't make me pay up. Just preclude me from sending your tunes to my friends so we all lose in the end.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Tech dirt Podcast. I'm Mike Masnick. This is the second week of our two-week series on copyright issues. I'm sure we'll cover it again sometime soon. Uh, But last week, we delved into some common misconceptions around copyright law, uh, leading to a rousing discussion uh, since there are so many common misconceptions. This week, we're going to uh, jump right back into the discussion by talking about ways to get past those common misconceptions. Uh, and some like to argue that this is just an education issue and that if we just taught more people about copyright law, we'd get past those misconceptions. I am in the camp that is not convinced that this would work. In fact, it reminds me of how the legacy copyright industries like to keep insisting that only if if there were more education campaigns, it would magically end piracy and lead people to respect copyright. I don't think that education alone is the answer here, nor do I think that it's particularly effective because the education really only comes if people are actually interested in the topic on its own, or if they trust the sources that it's coming from. Instead, I would argue that the way to correct the misconceptions has to start with fixing copyright law itself, getting beyond the massive expansion that has made just about everything seem like it's covered in copyright, stamping out widespread public domain, and leading everyone to believe that everything must be owned and that everyone must get paid anytime anyone does something vaguely similar. Once again, this week, in addition to Hirsch Reddy and Dennis Yang, we have our super special guest, Parker Higgins, to lend his insights into this topic. So we'll start again with Parker. How do we get past these misconceptions about copyright law?
2: Well, i was hoping for for more debate but i think that we're <laughs> uh, we're pretty much on the same page that uh, that par- that the the root of the problem here is that it's too uh too big and it's too high stakes um the the example that cory doctor uses that i love is it's the same body of law that regulates harry potter fanfic as uh, regulates whether you know you can set up a harry potter theme park um, and so, you know, one of these yeah. is, is, uh, is a, is a 12 year old and the other is a, <laughs> is a studio giant. And, uh, and that is gonna, you just cannot expect the 12 year old to have the understanding that, that of the law that's necessary to, to,
1: you don't think we should add a copyright curriculum to first grade education. <laughs> well, and so, and,
2: and you know, that, that gets proposed, uh, and it gets, um, and and I do think a lot of the people that are, you know, that I agree with on a lot of these issues mm-hmm. hear that the MPAA and the RAAA are doing this copyright curriculum and they respond with saying like, well, let's make sure it covers fair use or right. let's let's do a, a fair use curriculum. And like, I just don't think a 12-year-old has to know either way about fair use. Yeah. I, I think a 12-year-old should not be able to do anything that that you know has statutory <laughs> damages associated with it for the most part, especially not with a computer. Um and, and so I, I think that everyone should know about fair use I love fair use and it's an important part of the law but but we don't teach uh, the the law to uh, to, to first graders yeah, to right. and uh, and I think that's for good reason I think that we should uh, not be if if the law is complicated and in our lives enough that we think that you know, from six years old, you have to understand, uh, you know, <laughs> section, uh, 107 clause two in order to, um, then that points to something wrong with the law.
1: All right. So we're done. That's it. This podcast is <laughs> over. We fixed the law. No problem. So, <laughs> uh, so let's get to, so then what would you do? So, yeah. And this goes back to the question that was posed last week of mm-hmm.
2: how do we, what's the, what's the ideal scenario and I think that, you know, as long as we're, we're dreaming now, right, this yeah, is not... Uh, yeah,
1: forget, throw political
2: reality out the window here. But I think that having, uh, you know, either, either two bodies of copyright law or, or one that, that was between industrial giants right. uh, w- makes sense. That, you know, they need to, you know, those are, those are big industry contracts. Um, but having it be the same thing that affects people... Doesn't make sense, and so, you know, th- I guess that's the that would be the dream is splitting this and making it so that for the most part, most days, most people didn't need to think about copyright. I mean, I'd be I'd be sad because that's that's what I spend <laughs> my time doing. But you'd be out of work. Yeah, <laughs> I
3: actually I'm skeptical if there's like a, a magic bullet solution like that, even with bifurcation of the law. And the reason is 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 it that's just simply uh, kicks the ball down the road. I think I think because. If once you start saying okay, there's this set of law for industries and this for individuals, then the question becomes well, what's an industry? What's an individual? And so, for example, um, uh, what's that big series? Uh, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey started off as Twilight fiction, and mm-hmm. the reason she rebranded it as a different thing in a different world is because obviously, you know, the Twilight, uh, you know, both trademarks and the copyright would prevent her from selling it as a, as Twilight fiction. Um, in a world where there was this bifurcation, she probably could have continued as sort of uh, Twilight. Brand f- fan fiction for a longer period of time until the point where she started monetizing it and then it would have become a little bit confusing because she would have started off selling one or two stories, but then it would get to this point where she's selling $100 million, and then finally where she actually outshines the original creation, it would get very complicated indeed. And I think... So there's... The real... I, I think the issue is that, uh, you know, we want simplicity in the law, you know, not just for, for everyday people, but also for the lawyers. I mean, the law is so complicated that... that um, you know the other day somebody I was complaining about how many uh, bullshit DMCA uh, takedown notices there are mm-hmm. right like it's just it's rampant on places like Etsy where somebody will say they you know someone's making a, a hat of a certain design and someone will say my hat's too similar to that I'm doing a DMCA takedown notice you know it, ridiculous stuff like that and i was t- I was talking about this with another lawyer and the lawyer tells me well, you know that's not really an issue because we have section uh, i think it's like 512f which right. basically says that if you do a BS takedown notice against someone, you could be liable for damages. You know? Right. And, uh, and, and but the, you know, fa- that's how the law is written, but the way it right. actually, the way- F- the ro- Find
1: a case where 512F yeah.
3: has actually mattered. Is, it, and, and it's impossible right. for, it to, for it to work and lawyers don't realize that, why don't they realize that? Because the way the courts do it is you literally need to have a smoking gun when that happens, right? Where where somebody has an email w- where that says, hey, I'm going to take down Mike's stuff just to screw over his store. You know, you need something like that to show that they subjectively had bad faith in that in that um, takedown notice. And who's going to have that? So like the law doesn't work there. And even lawyers don't know that, right? And these are people who study this stuff. So like it's, it's, it's highly complicated.
2: You know? uh, yeah, it's definitely complicated. I think that it, you know, if, if we're so, so if we're starting at the dream where most people <laughs> just don't have to like think about copyright and then you step it down a little, I think that certainly there's a lot of ways where you can say, okay, if copyright is actually in our lives every day, let's, let's write the law in such a way that it, it reflects that, and so what if we just got rid of copyright? Is what I'm saying. That's a very simple solution, right? Like, well, then it wouldn't be in our lives every day.
3: <laughs>
1: yeah, um, uh, and, like, and, and according to some, there would be no public domain. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, uh, yeah. Don't you? I mean, would people do anything creative anymore with no copyright at all? This, this is we're, we're joking. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> no, but
3: let's just think about it for a second. Like, like, like when we were talking about patents, we talked about a world without software patents, right? right. And and it didn't necessarily seem like a, like you know that the that there would be anarchy if software passed away, right? way, right? <laughs> um, what about if just copyright went away?
2: It, well, so, uh, and I, I actually think that that is not, uh, that's, that's a reasonable thought experiment. And when you look at, so a, a couple of weeks ago, the, the, um, the Green Party of, of the UK got a lot of attention for proposing uh, copyright terms that were, like in their, they've got a, a short-term and a long-term manifesto. So in their long-term manifesto, they said, uh, the copyright terms probably shouldn't be more than fourteen years, which is about as radical as saying they should be zero years. It's, I mean, compared right. to what we have today, politically speaking. Yeah, right. I mean, because
1: originally they were fourteen years. Right. If we go back.
2: What is, what is the term right now? It's <laughs> life plus seventy for most things in most places. Right. So, so yeah, it would go from being a hundred years to you know uh, at, at least in most cases to being fourteen years. That's that's really dramatic. And what they didn't get as much attention for is that like two lines above that in the same section of the same manifesto, they said, and there should be a basic income. Like the way that we (laughs) handle uh, artists getting paid is we just say like, by being a citizen, we give you money to to live. And if you want to go and make art and not make more money, you know, you're allowed to. And it's amazing to me. It's amazing to me that uh, a proposal for basic income. Right was like, okay, yeah, well, that's a green party. And then a proposal <laughs> that they said 14-year copyright <laughs> terms and people are like, but what about the artist? And it's like, like yeah. wow, that is really, it's, uh, you know, one is a lot more politically radical than the other. And so I, you know, I think, sure, you could imagine a world without copyright. And if we wanted to incentivize the same kinds of things that we have historically liked, maybe you could have, you, you know, you, you, you there are other, other ways. Other so, systems
1: yeah. for, for doing things. Um, So what about, you know, one recommendation that I've seen pop up a lot and that I actually find fairly compelling is this idea of returning to a pre-1976 world of formalities in which instead of everything getting automatic copyright upon fixation, creation, whatever you want to call it, um, you have to register the copyright with the Copyright Office, and if you don't do that, then the work is in the public domain, and under that kind of world, if I just scribble something on a piece of paper, I don't automatically get a copyright on that, and I think that's probably a good thing, and if I send you an email, I don't get a copyright on that, and I think that's a good thing, but the, you know, Disneys of the world can still have their lawyers, you know, register their copyrights, and they still get copyrights, and so that's not a direct bifurcation by saying well one law applies for industry and one law doesn't but it's a way of effectively getting the same thing in many cases do we think that that's an effective way of doing things
2: yeah i think that uh so where there's where there's kind of gray areas where someone's maybe an industry maybe an individual we have metrics kind of but you're right there are weird cases where it's like well she was an individual an individual individual and then eventually she was (laughs) a you know 50 shades is, is an industry um but, yeah, I think that there are a lot of proxies you could do. You could do registration. you could even make it very cheap uh, mm-hmm. you know uh, ten years ago in in free culture. um Lawrence Lessig was proposing the first fifty years are free and then the second fifty years are a dollar um, and but you have to register it right And so you could imagine like, well, you know even maybe the first ten years or the first fourteen years are free, um and then then the Disney's of the world register for a dollar. And we know empirically that, that 95% of things won't get registered then. And so you can count on the public domain and what you can't count on is, is in a registry. And that sort of thing would be really helpful because when, especially when um, people who make their living in, in creative sectors talk about this, they talk about uh, the things that affect them making a living. Understandably. I mean, yeah. um, But, the voices that don't get heard as much are uh, are the fact that you know an archive uh, has to be they have to they really want to play by the rules and so and so they uh, won't copy things or 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 you know make derivative works of things unless they really know that's in the public domain for the most part and so those are things that just don't happen for a century
1: right and you have the sort of orphan works problem and things that disappear yeah uh, complete areas of culture that, that completely disappear. Um, and so sort of building on that idea of, you know, maybe free for some time and then register. Another idea that I've heard um, suggested a couple times is this idea of, you know, a sliding scale, maybe not, you know, free for 50 years and a dollar for 50 years, but, you know, free for five years, 10 years, and then, you know, cheap for the next five, 10 years, slightly more expensive, slightly more expensive. And therefore, in, in that way, you know, you're creating incentives. If, uh, you know, some sort of creation is really still economically valuable, um, you know, 50 years later, you can still pay to do that, but it has to be, you know, really economically viable. So Mickey Mouse could stay under copyright under that scenario, but everything else pretty much goes into the public domain. And yeah, and I think, uh, I, you know, Mickey Mouse
2: is, uh, there was maybe a misstep by the, <laughs> by the free culture world by making, uh, you know, the, sure. in a lot of ways, the, the, like the last term extension in 1998 was about Mickey Mouse. It mm-hmm. was the, the Mickey Mouse Protection Act um, was how it was maligned, but it was really like that's really what it was for. Um, and uh, I think people, as a result of that kind of activism... Overestimate the degree to which I care about Mickey Mouse. <laughs> like, really, I don't care at, about Mickey Mouse at all. Does and anybody care about it? Like, well, I, Disney, I, Disney, yeah, Disney, Disney cares. But, but are they
3: actually selling their new characters? Are what they're selling? No, Mickey no, they Mouse. they no. make a ton of money off Still? Of Mickey Mouse. Yeah, I, Still. I, I
1: just got back from Disneyland. I can tell you, there's a lot wow. of money in Mickey Mouse. But
2: wow. but and so and and there are examples of of where people have made fair uses of Mickey Mouse, and mm-hmm. it is a cultural touchstone. I don't think that it should be completely off of the free speech and table. And also even. It,
1: well, I was going to say, uh, separate from the copyright, there's still trademark mm, that they can yeah, use. Yeah, but, right. but anyway, sorry. Go but, on.
2: but I do think that the the real damage of term extensions and of ratcheting up copyright is not the Mickey Mouse's of the world. Mm-hmm. If they want to, you know, if they want if it, they want to do it like a trademark, which you can keep uh, renewing indefinitely, forever, that uh, that would have a lot less collateral damage than. Uh, than what we right. have now in copyright, where anything that's the same vintage as Mickey Mouse is also blocked from right. from use, and almost right. none of that, almost none of that has any commercial value Much or to, any yeah. like not enough commercial value for for commercial studios to to spend the money preserving. Right. So it just it disintegrates in the can, and that's literally like, yeah. yeah. And that's and that's the real harm. Exactly. And, it's, yeah. and Mickey Mouse is charismatic, but but it's it's not the real problem.
1: Right. Right. So is it you know do we need to protect that ninety nine point nine 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 percent of stuff that that nobody is touching and has no economic value just to protect the Mickey Mouse? So under that scenario, so you, so you find a situation where they would have to pay to renew much more, appeal? much more palatable.
2: And I you know I. Uh, once it came down to drafting a law, there'd probably sure hiccups. But, but yeah, that sort of thing uh, would give the Disneys of the world what they want um, and and So the what's,
1: what's the, the, the counterpoint to that? Why, why do people feel that um, such a proposal is so offensive? Because whenever it's been suggested, people do, you know, you have the same sort of reaction that, that people had yeah, to I that, mean, the, that. I, I can see a thing.
0: scenario in which basically if, if it were a pay-to-renew kind of scenario, right, and someone had a work that they didn't renew and then all of a sudden someone basically used it and created something huge. Like, it's that fairness that, that I'm trying to get back to, which is it feels like, it's like, oh, that was mine. It's like, But you didn't renew. It's like, well, I didn't know that someone was going to make something like that's yeah. part of me. You know, it's like, and you feel, it's, it's no. basically this feeling of ownership over either, you know, especially for the re- recorded mediums or ideas. We Like, we, it's a very human feeling to feel ownership over something you've created. And I think that's what copyright really kind of scratches that 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 gut feeling of you know even when you're on the playground and you make something and someone you know copies it like I remember being on the playground and being like you copied my idea right? like <laughs> there's there's something very very like kind visceral of core and visceral about when someone so you know supposedly copies your idea right and I think that that's what this really speaks to. There,
3: there was a situation on recently on Hacker News or was it on Reddit where someone released a library under MIT license and that's a very permissive license. You can do anything you want once you take that code yeah. and he wrote this code and then the person who took the code made like some kind of commercial service or something or repackaged it and sold it and that guy was livid and he wanted to take it out of the yeah. license and like you can't do that once you gave it and someone used it and built something on top of it you can't right. and the, the weird thing was because uh, it doesn't feel fair yeah right? the, the weird thing was that the reddit or hacker news crowd I can't remember which it was was totally on the guy's side but this is the same crowd that in every other you know, situation would be for, yeah. like, you know, more. Well, we, you know, s-
1: we see that happen, and I've seen similar things. I didn't see that particular one, but I've seen similar ones. And there was one recently, and I'm sort of blanking on it. I don't know, if, Parker, if you remember, but there was something recently like that where somebody had released stuff under a Creative Commons license, I think, and then suddenly it was being, and it was a non commercial license, and, and then it was being used commercially, and they, they freaked out. Oh, you know what? It was. It was um, um, where Flickr was going to sell oh, right. um, uh, non-images uh, that have been licensed Creative Commons right. non-commercial, and, or, and see, the, no, they, no, they, they were, were selling CC no,
2: commercial. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah like CC, CC commercial. like attribution or yeah. attribution share. Okay. Like. attribution only. Yeah, this is the non-commercial actually works opposite yes. from the way the other ones do. And right, that, sorry, but right, yes, right. So they were doing what was what people had explicitly allowed by the license. It's yeah, as right. if you, I mean, yeah,
0: like, I have CC att- attribution on all my Flickr photos and people just basically contact me and say hey we're using this on this website or for this print whatever and I'm that I'm like great that's exactly what it's for but i think people don't Maybe they don't realize what it means or... Well, a lot, I think a lot of promom- proponents of like free
3: culture get very protective about their own stuff. It's really weird. Like the same guy, if you go back and looked at his post history, the guy who was complaining about yeah. his MIT life, there would be starts stuff where he was like complaining about other people not letting them use his yeah, software, but I, it, it's very strange. Like there, I don't there, think people think understand the a, implications of it. I
1: think some of it is just, I mean, when money gets involved, things just get weird. Yeah, I mean, right. and I think so... I,
2: Yeah, Uh, yeah. Uh, obviously the answer here is to dismantle capitalism. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we've solved that problem, too. Next (laughs) week on the show.
0: (laughs) I mean, I would actually like a different, like, CC by is great and not, but I actually appreciate if you would just tell me when you use it. And I think most people do when they use my photos. Email me. Um, I would actually. I don't care about the attribution. I would just love to know. Right. So but l- like,
3: let me put it to you this way, Dennis. You wouldn't feel that way if you released a piece of code, um, open source, and then somebody yeah. like Zuckerberg Part Two took that source, built the website, and made I a mean, billion well, dollars. But I I would feel that way. No,
0: <laughs> that's. I mean, I think code is actually very, very fascinating. Right. Like, it, especially code HTML and JavaScript. That, that I think it's the view source mm. like feature of most browsers is amazing. Right. And. And I think like is is code covered by copyright? Like how does that work? Yeah, it is. But but uh, uh, like I mean,
2: Facebook does use all sorts of no no no, there's open source. No no yeah, and 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 I mean that's what HTML and JavaScript not not the like uh, content of it, but HTML and JavaScript were released free for yeah. other people to make money off of no yeah right. and that's and this and is i mean
1: that's i i learned to code html by copying other people's pages yeah. and and yeah. you know messing with them until i figured out how it worked no,
3: no and, absolutely no i agree with that but you know it's weird though but but, but, but people get defensive about
0: their code but know? what i'm saying is that i mean in your example if i wrote a, an open source library that zuckerberg 2 made billions of dollars off of that seems awesome Right. And I don't think I. But I, I
3: don't think everyone shares that. No, thing,
0: well, so but theory. there's there's two aspects there, and and I think and I get this
1: too, even though like I mean I think about these things all the time. Like there is an initial gut reaction, which is like, oh fuck, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> you dropped the f on this time, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 there is that initial reaction where it's like, man, that guy just got really wealthy, in part because of something that I did, mm. and so you you it's. I can't see how people wouldn't have that natural instinctual reaction, but then there's the, the deeper thought, which is like, there was a lot of stuff that went into whatever the Zuckerberg two did to make that happen, and yeah. I probably wouldn't have done that. Yeah. And second, yeah. like, hey, it's kind of great that I
0: contributed to this, and yeah. I still wrote that code, which which should kind of increase my overall value as.
1: And the, in fact, uh, the, the second well, point, which well, is the, then you can
0: yeah. you can leverage that and basically
1: yeah. say like, hey uh zuckerberg three hire me well the way right?
3: the, the way these guys at google's and the facebook's and the dropboxes avoid this i think is by hiring the people that do that code and giving them absurd
2: amounts of money like yeah, the, oh, yeah. the guy who made python works at dropbox but and how the, you know stuff. how upset are we supposed to get about the like that yeah. the, they <laughs> figured true. out a way to to yeah. compensate the yeah. the, the no, crea- that's I think, like okay i'm no I, i'm fine <laughs> with it I, I, think think the, I think the system works for
3: code yeah. you know
0: but but I think that that's kind of you know a lot of the arguments about remix and like point to how free and open the coding world has been around sharing code and being open about that and how 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 quickly that's accelerated the development of you know of that in- of our industry over here. So
2: yeah, and I think you know it, and and this goes a lot of this goes to the fact that copyright was you know in 1790 it was something and it's and it's changed and changed and changed but a orig- like the way that the law is still structured is you have a handful of exclusive rights, uh, and that's, and they're, they're enumerated. You can, you can block this, you can block this, you can block this or license it. Um, but people, because it's expanded so much, people feel like it's kind of the opposite of that where, where there's a, a short white list of things that people can do, so may you 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 can use it in in non-commercial fanfic or so you know whatever the the short whitelist is when in fact it's really like no this you get the law confers upon you a, a small handful of things that you're allowed to block and everything else belongs to the public and uh and the law hasn't contemplated a you know Zuckerberg 3 exemption <laughs> <laughs> right.
1: Right. Uh, yeah uh, well i and i think I mean, there is an element of this that we haven't even discussed, which is, I mean, how the internet itself has played into all of this, right? I mean, yeah. you know... Or if, te-
0: technology, for that matter, has... Yeah,
1: I mean, technology I mean, technology as a whole, you can go back and you can see the examples of, you know, each new technological evolution and, and how the legacy copyright industry at the time would freak out about it and sue yeah. and fight and all mm-hmm. of these kinds of things. Um, but each of those were, were sort of, you know eventually sort of, you know, you would either duct tape over some element, some new element onto copyright law, or, you know, you would sort of shift things around and and come up with some sort of standard. But the internet takes it to a whole different level in a way that, you know, conceptually the internet and copyright law are, as it is today, are so fundamentally at odds um, that it's almost amazing that they both exist the way they do. And, And because of that, it's not so surprising that we see you know, hundreds of thousands or millions of takedown notices and these crazy lawsuits and crazy debates and arguments. Um, and, and yet, you know, when you consider a world where everything is automatically covered under copyright um, and you have this giant, massive copying machine that everyone can connect to and make their own copies on, it's it's almost amazing that 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 actually happened. <laughs> yeah, I
2: think we're in we're in a moment a historical moment where we're going to go like, wow, those two things existed at the same time. <laughs> right. <Huh>. <laughs> <laughs> and
1: and so, all right. Well, I don't know that we've solved anything yet, but let's let's sort of go through do we do we have sort of final f- closing thoughts in terms of, you know, is it something that we just have to sort of let history play out or are there things that can actually be done? to get people to sort of recognize the importance of these things and, and recognizing, um, you know, how how copyright can be fixed or how, you know, well, I don't know, any well, of these things. Well,
2: I, I, I will say that, you know, we mention it now and we could have been talking at any point in the last 15 years about, like, how do we fix copyright? Um, right now and for the last couple of years, we've been in the middle of a process, a legislative process, where they're, they're talking about, possibly rewriting the (laughs) copyright act so maybe this matters Um, and i do think i think that my uh the part of my job that is um connecting people with stories to uh lawmakers is really important right now um that that the law really needs to know that there are all these ways in which it doesn't work because you because you watch these hearings and you see representatives speak and they uh, these are people who haven't sent emails in many cases, <laughs> yeah. like in their life. It's crazy. These are people who, like, they right. they just do not know how these things work. And so I do think that. It, it's uh, basically like Abraham Lincoln trying
3: to make yeah. laws about the <laughs> internet.
2: I'm not even exaggerating, man. It's crazy.
0: Um, right. And yeah, so. so I, I, and, and they don't see what. Like, what is being hamstrung by... And, and, the or
1: they think that if it's being hamstrung, it's just sort of a minor issue off to the side and that we can yeah. deal with it, right? Well, well, forget
3: about hamstrung. They don't even understand fundamentally the motivations of the players in today's world, whether it comes to the artists making music or the guys writing code and sharing it for free or any of these things. They don't understand the incentive structure, the way these markets are working. They they, they think about a guy coming to market with a cart full of apples. That's, that's yeah. kind of... what <laughs> they've the, got that's, no that's, Moral. They just they don't understand what's going on. It's so, it means it's crazy.
2: I well, mean, we'll be the same way when we're 80, <laughs> legislating for guys who are 15 in a the world. They're with, hollow deck. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. um, exactly. Right. So, But I do think that that uh, informing those people, right. so we shouldn't be teaching uh, first graders. Yes. We should be teaching. Uh, legislators who are slightly more uh, important, sophisticated. I was going to say <laughs> slightly more sophisticated than first graders. No. Uh, <laughs> my, my three-year-old niece knows a lot more about iPads and emails. Um, <laughs> uh, and and I think doing that is there's a lot of ways. that If you think about that as an end goal, there's a, I mean yeah. the, the tech dirt as a as a site does this where you know you talk about. What people are doing and building that mental model for the internet, and and you know I'm trying to connect people directly, and there's there's all these sorts of things, and I do think that in the near term, uh, just just fleshing out that mental model of you know the internet is more than uh, the cart that full of apples that you push into market um, will result in better law, and that's a, that's I can I can say that so optimistically because I'm an activist. <laughs> <laughs> We, we didn't really touch on it, and I, I thought it would be a really
3: great part of the conversation. We'll probably have to do it as a follow-up show. But the fact that you were talking about the basic income, and I think there's other things like Kickstarter that could form alternative ways of compensating artists, I think that, that would be worth talking about because there's a lot of different ways yeah. that we can create an economic incentives. I and mean, we should.
1: For, for you know, and we, yeah. we, I mean, we did an episode. You were, neither of you were here, but we did an episode on basic income, uh, which was actually really interesting, but I think it would be kind of cool to tie it back to to this and sort of other business models and things like that and you know cuz there's this belief that I, that goes back to this, this sort of apple cart thing that that bothers me that this idea that you know people artists can't make a living except you know but for copyright um and and that's i think problematic because i don't think it's true in any way shape or form and and yet it drives so much of the narrative um and we even saw that with the the uk greens and and when you know people saw this proposal to reduce copyright to 14 years and somebody wrote but like how will i earn a living it's like that's <laughs> A different issue in all sorts of ways, but um, so I think you know we'll we'll definitely have to have to do more on alternative business models and things that are happening and how people are making money today. Yeah. But I think we're wrapping up here. Uh, another very interesting conversation, Parker. Thank you very much. Thank you for, for having me for joining us for this these fun. these two episodes, and we'll have you back. Uh, at some point in the future. If, uh, sorry, I have to do the self promo.
2: Of course, I, I work for EFF, which is at EFF.org and at EFF on Twitter. And uh,
1: my name is Parker Higgins and I'm at XOR on Twitter. Exactly. And you should follow it because he tweets lots of good stuff. I favorite like every damn one of your tweets. <laughs> All right. Uh, and thank you guys for, for the usual crew. And we'll be back next week with something else. I don't know what we're talking about yet, but we'll figure it out. All right. Thanks again. See
0: Bye. You guys. Guys. Before 22, all music's in the public domain, so fuck you. It's never the amateurs that reckon it's damaging us. It's the major label saying it's fake or like when Napster had to pack a brick by Metallica. The tables turn out the labels churn out a new Jezebel internet a televangelist, and she's fit with a manuscript that was actually written by Mr. Michael.